Spielberg also has a line where he says, I feel that at the Academy Awards, there's no above the line and there's no below the line. Exactly. All of us are on the same line, bringing the best of us to tell the best stories we possibly can. And that means for me, we should all have a seat at the upper, at the supper table together live at five. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut to Reveal. I'm Ricky and I'm here with Peter as always. Hey, hey everyone. Today we're going to be talking about the biggest scandal of maybe the Academy Awards season this year. Because on February 22nd, the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures and Science decided that they are not going to include eight categories within their live performance. That's eight out of 23 categories. So it's documentary short, film editing, that's, you know, (laughs) the biggest one for us at least, Uh, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound will be handed out at 4 p.m. before the ceremony. So they will hand it out before um, yeah, the live show. Apparently they're going to edit in the live. No, they're going to edit in that bit into the live version of it. But a lot of people are up in arms about it because it's a, a live event. A lot of people wanted to have those people share within the glory of being at the Academy Awards and winning in real time with everybody. You know, there's a a sense of by excluding these eight categories that they are not on the same level as all the other categories that are being shown live. Which is crazy, of course. It's always, uh, you're you're almost like, you're always favoring your category, right? But the other categories, like production design, seriously, like documentary shorts, like, for Christ's sake. I mean, it's all like... Um, obviously, they're not as glitzy as Best Actor, Best Picture, yada, yada, yada. And unfortunately, yeah. all that really boils down to is that the ratings that the Academy Awards are getting on TV are plummeting. Mm-hmm. And so they want to make it a less boring, more snappy show, which makes sense. At the same time, you know, the biggest critique is that we should show all of them because we've just been in lockdown for like ages years and you know this is the the first time in a long time where everybody can get together all at the same time and you know filmmaking is a collaborative thing it's a big family effort like every team that puts together the movie from you know the gaffers to the director to anybody in between the actors it's all like a big collaborative effort and it's like a family yeah Uh, Guillermo del Toro right he commented Mm -hmm. that if any year was the year to think about it this is not the year not uh, to hear their names live at the Oscars. And I think that's the best comment here, right? That's the yeah. that's not the year. And, you know, I tried actually explaining myself this decision. And I I think I can understand it to some extent. But, like, as Del Toro said, like, that's the worst year to actually do this transition, right? Right. And the reasoning behind it, like, can go along the lines of, like, what are actually Oscars, right? Oscars, you know, are mass audience show uh, that let people, like, introduces a lot of films that wouldn't be introduced to ordinary people, right? Mm -hmm. So from that point of view, you're still caring about that audience. And you should always care about the audience, right? Not to, not just about a portion of your audience, but the whole one, right? While I am in the portion of the audience, which, you know, which cares about each one of those, those awards, I understand that the majority will not, right? And if the purpose is to make the films, you know, to promote the films that, you know, mm-hmm. did great this year, right? Um and that are special in some way, even if some people will disagree with the choices, right? 
Mm-hmm. I think that to some degree it does make sense to you know limit the duration if it if it's going to help with the wider appeal, so to speak. I definitely can agree with that, and I can understand the perspective that they're coming from an interest perspective of like and you know a ratings perspective, I guess. But what it all boils down yeah. to is nobody's watching the the Academy Awards anymore because it's it's a boring show. At the same time, excluding all of these people, all of these categories is the same as. If you had a credits and credits and you're just like, well, we're only going to put the ones that we like up there. And yeah. then those are the people yeah. that people are going to know about. And that sucks. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. you know, I, and, you know, I mean, I think that everybody should be able to have the stage. Yeah. And, and at the same time, there are certain categories that I don't care about. And yeah. if that happens, I'm going to get up and get a drink. Or I'm going to go to the bathroom. Or I'm going to Play on my phone. Exactly. Yeah. What's important is that everybody gets the stage, everybody gets the time because there are other people who aren't us or who aren't me that are going to be like, I want to know about the makeup. I want to know about the production. I want to know about, you know, whatever. And that's kind of what it boils down to is that inclusivity uh, because there's the fear that people already don't understand what it means to make movies. (laughs) And so by limiting the amount of categories that people are seeing, then it's just going to make that understanding even more limited totally uh i think spielberg also made a interesting comment here perhaps the art form of filmmaking right is the most color collaborative medium in the world right Mm -hmm. so why do you exclude people who you know uh help with that process right because like each one of those stages, like like a gaffer even like is -hmm. is contributing to the to, to the final result you know, if you wouldn't have a good good gaffer on on, on the set, uh, you wouldn't get the shot you need, right? You want the director mm-hmm. like you know imagined it in, in his head. So yeah, Spielberg also has a line where he says, "I feel that at the Academy Awards, there's no above the line and there's no below the line." Exactly. All of us are on the same line, bringing the best of us to tell the best stories we possibly can. And that means for me, we should all have a seat at the upper, at the supper table together live at five. Uh, uh, that sums it up. Like, that's the great, yeah. that's a great so comment. For those who don't understand the above the line and the below the line, when you get a, uh, a call sheet, there's above the line talent and there's below the line talent. Usually above the line talent is actors and directors and blah 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 and then below the line you're going to find more of the uh we'll just say working class which replaceable. is replaceable yeah i don't know about replaceable but definitely people who even you know you said the gaffers and and those type of people which yeah yeah i mean I, I, of course i would i would argue about the replaceable as well but i mean like that's the way that that we are often mm-hmm. uh you know think of Although obviously it's not the case, like production design, you can't just replace, uh, you know, no. <laughs> production designer <laughs> because no. it's like you know pre-production for that like take months, and you can't just replace it with another name. Not yeah. possible. The same holds true for editing. Like you know, it's th- very rarely that you would switch an editor throughout the process because, like, basically it means like starting from the you know from the get-go once again. Well, above the line is basically people are getting paid higher. Yeah. Although the line people think that they're expendable. If you don't think that's right, or if we are talking shit and that's wrong, send us a message and, and correct us or leave a comment or whatever. But yeah. why don't we talk about the five? Is it five? Yeah, five. Basically, what, we have what five I'm trying nominees. to say is what we, the nominees for the Academy Awards for up for editing. 
Man, I cannot talk right now. Sorry, so, got it from me. Yeah, <laughs> the disease. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'll read the list. Um, so the nom- the nominees are for best film editing: uh, Don't Look Up, which was edited by Hank Corwin; Dune by Joe Walker; King Richard by Pamela Martin; The Power of the Dog by Peter Skiberis; Tick Tick Boom by Myron Kirsten and Andrew Weisblum. Uh, Weissbloom also edited uh, the uh, French Dispatch. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've read about it as well. Uh, yeah, so let's you know acknowledge these are these these artists here on our podcast. That, that's yeah. the least we can do, I think. And you know, it's a good thing that they will actually uh, you know post the full speeches i think on social media mm-hmm. that's what academy said that they will like post all of these on social media but still like i would uh, i think that during the live stream it will it will, it will be probably something like a sizzle reel of you know these yeah. words it's just so gonna be a montage like, i don't know that's that's really not sending a good, good message so the least we can do and i think the least that people can do is actually talk about these artists where they can so yeah let's do it for film editing because that's that's our podcast right yeah so we'll start with from the top then yeah don't yeah. look with hank corwin by the way uh the thing is that the reason why those categories are left out is mm-hmm. that we do not recognize these artists right we do not know their names and even though i'm an editor i still like didn't know most of the names on that list you know so I think it speaks to that aspect a little bit, but at the same time, like that's why we have to have that time on 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 the telecast to get to know to know their names, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we and also because I don't know, it's it's kind of a hard thing to like promote an editor when they're not in front of the camera like these other people are. But yeah, I don't know why I just said that, but that's kind of the what makes it so complicated and why it's so important to have these people in front of the camera so people can get it because i have the same problem like i don't know the names of the editors but then once you look at their imdb and you see what they've done then you're like oh i know their work so in a way you do kind of know them specifically with hank corwin he's worked a lot with adam mckay and adam mckay is the director and writer of don't look up he also did the big short and he did vice um tree of life short yeah no, sorry. Sure not, was... I mean, Hank did Tree of Life. Yeah, Hank, <laughs> team, Hank did. Okay, what did you think about uh, Don't Look Up from the editing point of view, Ricky? Uh, I really liked that movie. To be honest, when I watched it, I was not paying attention to the editing. But any good editor or any good editing is always invisible. And if anything, I I can't remember a scene or anything within that film that was like stuck out to me being like, well, this is kind of weird. No. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie, and I yeah. think that the pace of it was very good. I mean, Hank Corwin is known for his – I'm going to read it from his IMDb bio. But, you know, so he's known for his sharp, fast pace and innovative, and innovative way that he uses his techniques. So don't look up, and even the big short, there's a very creative way that he edits that is very noticeable in the way that he – in the way that he tells the story. Also, I know that there was a lot of improvisation actually uh, from the actors uh, hmm. in in this film, because like because like Adam McKay is you know is known as a king uh, of improv, right? <laughs> also, uh, you know uh, the actor, what's his name? Come on, Jonah Hill. 
Jonah yes. Hill is also a big improvisation, uh, like 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 mm-hmm. is big on improvisation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also heard that yeah, Leo actually contributed a line uh, that hasn't been scripted that the movie ends with, mm-hmm. and you know a few other things. So I I've heard that especially the first uh, White House scene is mm-hmm. very much improvised and very much different from what has been scripted, actually. So mm-hmm. I think that speaks a lot about his editing skills, skills as well, because like yeah. you're, you're in the narrative, of, in a scripted narrative, but at the same time, you have, he had to edit it like, you know, like an unscripted piece. Uh, so that's, I think, interesting. And uh, the way he keeps the attention of Mm -hmm. the viewer is something that obviously has the root in the screenplay and is then Mm -hmm. like emphasized by the choices of the director but ultimately it's it ends on editor right and this Mm -hmm. relationship between director editor and what they came come up with right and i think they have found a beautiful balance i think the the film is funny in so many places mm-hmm. i had a few like you know uh very loud laughs when i <laughs> when i watched it and yeah i yeah. think it proves the point that he did a really really great job on that on that feature i can only wish to do something even remotely close to, <laughs> to that level one day yeah him and uh, adam mckay are a good team um, yeah and the stuff definitely. that they do is very good with comedic timing, um, but also yeah. can be very um, emotional. Like if you've seen Don't Look Up, the very end, one of the end scenes is pretty uh, pretty intense. Kudos to Hank Corwin for Don't Look Up. Kudos. Yeah, so next we have Dune and Joe Walker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Joe Walker is known for Arrival, Sicario as well. So those are big movies that he's known for as well. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Also an Academy uh, nominee and mm-hmm. winner for some categories, I think, right? Yeah, um, Best Picture, I think. Yeah, man. actually, I think you're right. Yeah, Best Picture, right. Anyway, I've heard uh, the conversation with Dennis, uh, the director. Uh, mm-hmm. How to pronounce his name? V. The... <laughs> Villanueva? Yeah, something like that. So, uh, sorry, Dennis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... I know that they have struggled with uh, the introduction a lot because Mm -hmm. like I'm someone who's new to that Dune world Mm -hmm. and to introduce such a complicated world to someone who has never read the book or watched, watched the, uh, you know, the, the uh, David, David Lynch's version of the film Mm -hmm. uh, is a huge challenge. And I have not been confused by mm-hmm. editing or by just the storytelling in the film yeah. overall. So I think that's the biggest compliment for them. Uh, they did a great job of like introducing us to those characters, to this world. Um, so once again, like that's, that's just the proof of, of great editing. Yeah. It looks beautiful and it plays beautiful. The pacing of it and everything, it really sucks the you in. The is beautiful. Yeah, like yeah. all of it is beautiful. Like seriously, the thing that caught my attention is the hand in the box scene mm-hmm. which which could be a masterclass on its own i think yeah. i don't know maybe maybe i will actually analyze it one day <laughs> because like it's it was a really really nice scene to to watch and to experience yeah and then also to if you get a chance dear listener watch david lynch's version 
and then watch this version. It applies um, to me because I'm listening to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. I mean, because they, I mean, the editing and then just setting up the story are done in two totally different ways. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to give it away, but a little mm -hmm. bit, the first one is a little bit more spoon feeding mm -hmm. before it gets into the story. And then with this, the, uh, the new Dune, which unfortunately I hate that it's only part one that we have to yeah. wait for the other Dune, yeah. the other sequels to come out. Yeah. Um, but it's fun, you know, and with this one, we're getting right into it. And the story that is unfolding is giving us the information that we need to understand yeah, who the yeah. characters are. By um, the way, uh, the, the David Lynch's version uh, is, is a full version, right? Because, like, yes, they've split it into two parts. The new version is split into two parts, but the original one is uh, one part. It's one complete okay. story. Okay, cool. Before we go on, we're going to take a short sponsor break. Cuts to Reveal podcast is brought to you by The Editing Chef, a course for editors who seek to maximize their creative productivity and streamline the editing workflow. The course introduces tips and techniques that will help you edit more efficiently and therefore make it more enjoyable. Plus, it will delight your clients and keep you passionate about our wonderful profession. So if you want to learn more and save your spot, visit cuttothepoint.com forward slash TEC. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, let's move on. King Richard, number three. And uh, Pamela Martin. Also, like, the name I didn't know, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like, once I opened her IMDb, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, I've seen a few films. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Fighter, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, uh, I've seen both of those. I think The Fighter ended up winning Best Picture. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe... I know that <laughs> we're so bad about researching these things, but um, Little Miss Sunshine... Want to also. Oscars? Actually, let me check it. Uh, no, it's best performance. Okay. Yeah, by both Christian Bale and Melissa Leo, and it was nominated for the best picture of the year. She edited Bubble Boy. Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh my god, it's ridiculous! It's it's a comedy, and it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's one of his newer movies. Or one, it was in two thousand one. It's a completely insane ridiculous movie like you if you saw bubble boy and then be like oh yeah she's nominated for king richard or for you know she did these other movies you would not they would not equate because it's just a ridiculous it's a comedy about um a bubble boy a kid who can't who has been <laughs> i don't even know if we want to get into it but basically <laughs> it's a it's a journey it's a quest movie where bubble boy who's played by jake gyllenhaal is stuck in a bubble because he can't he's Basically, if he gets germs on him, he'll die or he, that's what he thinks. And he goes to basically find his love who is like moved across the country for some reason. So it's his you know, his quest to find her. And, and he, he comes in, in a bubble. And he's in a bubble. Like literally he's in like a big like I can plastic bubble. And I can see it's like from the movie. It's so ridiculous. It's, yeah. And you should watch it because it's so funny. It's it's so good. Um, but anyway. I, I digress. Let's get back on the on the so <laughs> yeah. So she has done a lot of notable movies. I mean, Little Miss Sunshine. I think in my head is like the movie that I recognize the the most, and I've yeah. seen The Fighter and whatnot. But Little Miss Sunshine yeah. is something that Same I've here. seen multiple times. So she's clearly very very talented. And I think uh, with King Richard, which is essentially a sports film, you know, a feel good movie about the uh, the um, perseverance of the human spirit. Um, based off of uh, Venus and Selena Williams' father, uh, who are tennis players. And they came from Compton, 
Compton, LA, which is, you know, a ghetto, uh, you know, things don't, not a lot of good things come out of Compton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a, in a way it was against all odds that they were able to make it, but it was good. I thought there were some parts of it that I was like, oh, that's an interesting editing decision. Uh, at the same time, it's a sports movie. So it has that feel of like feel good and the building of it. And, you know, the, uh, the payoff at the end is satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a true story. So it's not like you could really mm-hmm. wander too far off that path. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen the film, so that's the only one from that list that I haven't seen. But mm-hmm. uh, I would be interesting to hear if there is like a story behind the curtain that we don't know of, because like you know the the films in the category are voted on by editors, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're voted vo- voted on by editors, I'm a little bit surprised to see one film that is very conventional on that list. Like I think at least like from my point of view of someone who hasn't seen it mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, it's probably like you know it sounds like a great movie a great watch as you say as you said like a feel-good um, movie but at the same time like I don't think there is like anything experimental about it like I I, I, I reckon there, 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 there is not but maybe there is actually so I, I would be curious to, to hear about like do you know any of any, anything about it? I don't know. I mean, the more that you talk about it, the more it makes sense of like, oh, that is an interesting pick. When I think of like something that's going to be awarded for winning, you know, from the perspective of the Academy, it's because it's creatively stands different. Out. Or, yeah, yeah, stands it stands out, out in some crowd. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not to say that King Richard is like a boring movie or it's mm-hmm. technically lacking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but does it but stand also, out? I'm going to say this, but it might be totally bullshit with my own memory, but I feel like a lot of movies that are in the editing category are already movies that have been nominated for something else. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is a good movie. And it also has good editing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, that could be, that could may have something to do with it as well. Although I, I, I don't know. My suspicion is that there is something we don't know about. Uh, yeah. Because as I said, like these are voted on by editors. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that there, there is a story behind Thor. Uh, maybe I don't know, just the amount of footage, or just the the the, the amount of improvisation uh, in the film, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that that makes it to you know valuable for editor's eyes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so it's just like I know it's just I don't know. Uh, I'm just thinking what I'm. I, I'm just talking what I'm thinking about. Uh, so <laughs> forgive me for that. <laughs> no, no. I feel like that's an interesting question to answer or what's the reasoning yeah. why people or why the editors at the Academy think that any movie should be nominated as, mm-hmm. um, or what is the thing that appeals to them? Like, cause mm-hmm. like you said, some stuff is, well, they had bad footage or there was technical difficulties and they were able to pull it out at the end. And that's why it's such a, um, a triumph that, you know, this should be awarded. So yeah, I'm curious as to that too. In fact, I'm looking up why, is King Richard nominated for an Oscar <laughs> right now? A huge shout out to Pamela Martin, of course, as well. Uh, and let's move on with the fourth fourth point, uh, fourth movie on the list. That is The Power of the Dog. Probably the biggest title on the list, actually, uh, from the point of view of amount of nominations, right? I yeah. think it has the biggest amount of nominations. So that's probably, you know, going to rule the, the Oscars this year. Although we have seen films with many nominations receiving one or two statues, so we'll mm-hmm. see about it. But The Power of the Dog, edited by Peter, and that's a difficult second day for me, but Scriberas, I think, right? Uh, yes. I know he's from Australia, 
And uh, I think this is the movie that you and I will actually disagree about. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, so do you want to start with your thoughts or should I start um, with mine? <laughs> uh, we can, I'll, I'll start with mine. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. Go ahead. Uh, so in my perspective, I think that Power of the Dog looks very, is very beautiful. It looks good. It was edited in a way that I think is flawless. It's very simple editing. I don't think that there's anything that stands out about it that makes it like mind blowing. But in regards to the story, which I wasn't confused about, but I think it was a little bit too, <laughs> maybe it was a little bit too vague where like okay. I, so much so that I wasn't invested in any of the characters really. Yeah. I think maybe the kid was the only one that I was really in, invested in. And then other than that, it was kind of like, you know, I, I saw a, a review that was like sort of a non-movie with a with a clever twist at the end. <laughs> so I was like, hey. in my opinion, that's kind of what it was. It was essentially like people walking around for two hours and then something kind of neat happens at the end. But I don't know. That's my my opinion. Okay. So, Peter, what uh, did you think? <laughs> so first of all, uh, Peter is probably uh, the name, you know, he's probably someone with the least experience from amongst the other editors uh, nominated here. Mm -hmm. uh, he has 16 uh, editing credits, but most of them are for shorts, actually. Uh, and for features, he has like five credits, I think, or okay. six. So not a huge amount. Uh, but I think, actually, The Power of the Dog uh, stands out from the, crowd, from the crowd in a good way, uh, from the editing point of view. Uh, and... What is my reasoning behind it? Like, first of all, sometimes it's easy to cut, thing, cut things, you know, fast, right? But the mm -hmm. power of the dog is cut in a very subtle way, in a very, as you see, as you said, it's like... Subtle, you're right. The subtle yeah, is, is a yeah. better way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's sometimes a bigger ch challenge than, you know, cutting things like, you know, every few seconds, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think from that point of view, it's very interesting. But the biggest one, because like, obviously the, the, the pacing of the cuts is also embedded, embedded in the footage itself. So I think that's something he had to play with. It's not mm -hmm. like up to him to make the film paced as it is. I think most of it is uh, due to the work of the director and the script, basically, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the pacing is like dedicated by. Uh, but... My biggest compliment for for editing of that film uh, of Power of the Dog is how he how they reveal information throughout that film, because there is a huge balance between like what the audience knows and what it doesn't. And you mm -hmm. know, for the name of our show, right, cut to reveal. I think actually this is the this is this is just a masterclass of revealing information. There is mm -hmm. so much they are withholding from the viewer. There is so much that they are like, you know, feeding to the viewer, but at the same time, they are not confirming the facts. They are just like suggesting something. And I think this is a brilliant way of uh, feeding the, the information to the viewer, basically, this film, throughout mm -hmm. the whole duration of the film. Uh, and for that, in my opinion, it deserves like, uh, I don't know if it will win, but I think it deserves a lot of respect, a lot of respect. So a huge shout out, uh, you know, to Peter. It's also, I feel like one of those movies that if I watch it again, 
you know, more stuff will pop out of, will pop out at me and whatnot. But yeah, I think that yeah, I have no complaints schools. about yep. the movie and its technicality. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a little bit too subtle. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit although too you subtle. Know, although in my opinion, it's it's not technicality. It's it techno it, technology. Well, tech, yeah, it's, technicality. No, tec- I don't. Yeah, we exactly. don't even know Sorry. English it's words. It's not a technicality. <laughs> It's it's storytelling, like seriously, like yeah. the, the way they play with revealing information throughout the film, what we know, what we don't know, what mm-hmm. we suspect, is is masterpiece. And I know that they have uh, reshuffled a few scenes actually mm-hmm. to achieve that result. It adds even more to that uh, aspect of masterful editing here. Sorry to go back to King Richard. Yeah, uh, I just looked it up, um, and there were a lot of because it's a sports film and because they were shooting tennis. And you can't really choreograph tennis. Um, a lot of creativity and a lot of pre-planning that uh, Martin was a part of to make sure that the editing was properly succinct and, and everything. That's kind of what has um, elevated King Richard into being uh, upon the pantheon of other editors. Mm, uh, okay. Nominated so editors, to make so. the editing flawless here, they actually had to go the extra step. And yeah, that's what so, makes it special. Yeah, yeah so pre-visualizing and then also shooting uh, yeah. footage to, you know, not to match cut, but to make it so that it makes sense when they're editing because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can't shoot. I mean, it's like it's not a dance, so you can't choreograph it in such a way. And even if it is choreographed, there are still going to be things that don't may not uh, line up in the edit. So that's what it sounds like the biggest thing was. Um the biggest challenge for Martin when she was editing this film. Also, like Ford versus Ferrari, right? Right. This is also kind of a sport movie, <laughs> and it won for editing. So for which one? Sorry, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think they had like movie. similar challenges there, you know, with the racing sequences. Uh, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe King Richard is just you know the dark horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Pamela and Pamela isn't she's no stranger to the sports film either because she edited the fighter, which is boxing, mm, which that's true. she probably had the same challenge to deal with. With even though they were choreographing the fighting, though it's still kind of loosey goosey in regards to like the flow and how these people are fighting and what shots that they can get, especially within continuity and whatnot. All right, and then for the end, tick tick boom, tick, which is added, boom, <laughs> which is. Was edited by Myron Kirstein and Andrew Weisblum. I hope that's how I spell or how I say Myron's last name. Kirstein. I'll be bold here and I say I, I will say that in my opinion, Tick Tick Boom will win film editing this year. The reason is just how they were able to clearly say the story that is very complicated, in my opinion. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also in a musical kind of way, right? So mm-hmm. you intercut musical with uh, with non musical stuff. And you cut between like you know the shows and the, the 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 original footage. I mean like the archival footage, and the way they 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 led the viewer by hand through that story. In mm-hmm. my opinion, masterful. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's it's hard to judge editing if you don't know you know what decisions had to be made throughout and what has been scripted and what has been adjusted uh, throughout the process and so on, but. Yeah, just just my feeling from watching the film is that this is something that 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 probably from the five 
films we we, we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the one that required the most story shaping by editors. Yeah, from the rest. I'm curious as to what how much of what we saw on the screen was actually in the script, because mm-hmm. it's very creative in regards yeah, to very like bumping in and out of flashbacks, and then even how um, Myron and Andrew inter interweaved interwove mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> scenes of from you know one character to the next that was just like seamless. Um, you know, it felt this is a musical. For those who don't know, it's, and it's about um, Jonathan Larson, who is best known for writing the movie, or mo- the movie, the uh, the production Rent, which uh, was a big, whatever Broadway production ran for like twelve years. There was a movie to go back to it. I think that even though this is a musical, it doesn't feel like a musical in the sense of the other mu- musicals that I've seen. It's uh, you know, it's yeah. very creative and very the, the flow of it is not annoying. <laughs> I think that not. some musicals can kind of get into where they're like, it's not like I agree. I'm talking and now I'm singing and then I'm talking and then I'm singing. It's not like broken up in that way. I think that they do a great job of interweaving the songs with yeah. the story. Yeah, I agree that I think that uh, it's probably going to win Best Editor for this year. We'll see. We'll see. But we shall. my fingers are crossed for them, seriously, because like uh, from, yeah, from the five amazing films, in that category, that one stands out the most, in my opinion. Uh, not the film, but but just like knowing how, you know, what goes into decision-making in the editing room, I think mm-hmm. that, that they probably uh, deserve the biggest credit for the work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, again, that's just a guess because I, I haven't researched, like, you know, uh, every editing decision that all of these right. editors made and all of them made enormous amounts of very important decisions. Uh, but just, you know, from the outside look, uh, from the outside perspective, I think that's the one that needs to be, you know, recognized for its editing the most. And I think that people, if it came down to one of these movies that people had seen the most of, I think it would be between Don't Look Up and Tick, Tick, Boom. I mean... To be mm-hmm. honest, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Power of the Dog, and Don't Look Up are all on Netflix. Yeah, all of them are uh, on Netflix. So those will be the ones that people are really going to recognize more so. I mean, obviously, Dune and King Richard will be like more theatrical type stuff, so they'll know yeah. them also. But in regards to access, those three will be kind of like the contenders where people will like kind of perk up and know what's yeah. going on. Also, shout out to Andrew Garfield for, for his performance. Because yeah. he did an amazing job, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah that, that's the you know performance you you, you remember <laughs> for sure. And I've heard some. I heard an interview where he lucked into that role where he wasn't. He's not even like a theatrical singing and he's not a song and dance man. And somebody was just like called him up and was like a friend of a friend was like, "Hey, do you sing?" And he's like, "Yes." And then he's like, okay, great, because I told them that you could sing. So, you know, when you go to this thing, hopefully you can be able to sing by that time. And so he ended up getting it. Uh, but, yeah, very interesting. But, yeah, uh, Andrew Garfield is, is great in this. He's very good. Very, very good. Let me actually end with with a call, quote, okay? Mm-hmm. So a story. A story from the book, uh, Art of the Cut. I think uh, that that's the book basically with interviews, with transcripts of interviews that uh, Steve Halfish did with all sorts of editors, like uh, documentary editors, narrative editors, like all, all, all sorts of all sorts of 
sorry, all sorts of genres and, uh, you know, backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. And in the introduction, uh, he writes, the book was inspired by a precise moment that I can easily identify. That moment is during the acceptance speech for Best Supporting Actress of the Oscars in 2014. The winner of the award was Lupita Nyong for her brilliant performance in Steve McQueen's movie 12 Years a Slave. Of course, she thanked the director and her co-stars, but what struck me came at the end of her acceptance speech. Joe Walker, the invisible performer in the editing room. Thank you. And you know, moments like these at Oscars, I hope that we see see them this year. You know, I, I hope that mm -hmm. we will see acknowledgement for those artists, not only editors, but production designers, mm -hmm. all of these categories that has been missed from the telecast. I hope yeah. that we will see acknowledgements like that uh, during these acceptance speeches. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's it for us today, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always... Shoot that edit, edit like there is, like no, there is tomorrow. no tomorrow. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help more people discover this show. You can also follow us on Instagram. Just search for at cut to reveal and tell your friends. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to podcast at cut to the point.com. And who knows, maybe we'll use them in the future episodes. And as we say around here, until the next time, shoot and edit like there is no tomorrow. Thank you.